You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. I am so glad to be with y'all again. If I may get a chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Carl. Uh, I'm like now that cousin that you can't get rid of that just keeps coming back and keeps coming back because the food is good here at Crossroads. That's why I keep coming back, man. (laughs) So here's the deal. I took my family on vacation because I'm a great dad, right? And and we go to uh, Portland. And, And while we're in Portland, we're kind of doing this food crawl thing, like we're just going to all these different restaurants, and they got a great food scene there. And like later in the afternoon, my kiddos like point to this thing by the river, and they're like, "Hey, Dad, like let's let's go do that." And I want to be a good dad, so I said, "All right, let, let's go for it." And and we walk up to this like kind of rickshaw looking looking kind of thing. It, it's it's a, it's a bicycle but a cart like all put together, and, and there's four seats and four sets of bike pedals and and everybody kind of pedals and it moves this contraption along the 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 river walkway so i'm like yeah let's do this i pay the guy five million dollars and and he gives us some dirty helmets and and we head off and we're just like cruising and the river is over here and we're like oh this is so fun this is awesome But, but then i begin to notice that there's like some tension it it it's starting to get harder to pedal and listen, I'm not the most fit person in the world, okay? Pastor Brian's got that locked down. But I'm like, I'm not that out of shape. So, so I, I look back, and there are my two daughters just enjoying the view. <laughs> not pedaling a lick. And as I'm about to just, you know, WWF them, I, I, I look over my wife, and there Jen is, enjoying the ride, not pedaling a lick. And I am just blown away, and I'm like, wait a minute. Do you guys think that it's my job to do all this work? And in unison, they say, yes. So I drove them around Portland the rest of that afternoon. But, but, it, but it made me start to think, Are there other times in life, other situations in life where we feel like only a few of us are doing all the work? (laughs) You're in for it for this sermon, trust me. (laughs) Where we like, I did not expect that. That threw the whole thing off. Sorry, Church Online. Like, where it's like only a few of us are doing all the work. And, and, and it's like that with the church. It's like that with the church where we, we kind of get into this whole deal and it's like only some of us are doing everything and then there's all these other people who are just along for the free ride. But it made me pose this question. Who is church for? Who is the church I want to 
set in your heads and in your hearts. That I believe that the church is for saints and ain'ts. Saints and ain'ts. And I think sometimes we can get it really twisted on which side of the and we're on. Look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. Jesus is saying, go and figure out what this next line means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. Jesus says, I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't call to come the saints. I came to call the ain'ts. But if we're honest, if we're honest, we don't like how God handles his business. Because there's just a few of us peddling this thing down the road while the rest of them are along for the free ride. This is what Jesus is speaking to in Luke chapter 15. Jesus wants to set the record straight. He wants those listening to understand on which side of this thing they fall on. Because so often we approach our faith, we approach the church as the saints. But Jesus wants to give us a wake-up call to give us the purpose and the meaning of who the church is exactly for. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 15, verse 1 and 3. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. You know who these people are? The ain'ts. The ain'ts were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the good old Christians, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. See, they, wanted, they, they, they knew they couldn't get Jesus for, for doing the right thing and preaching to sinners. So now they want to get Jesus just for being with these people. So Jesus tells a parable. A parable is a story about one thing that really is meaning something else. This is in a string of parables that Jesus tells. But in this particular one, and it's one that is super famous and well-known in the church, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. I'm going to tell you why that's wrong later on, but it's called the lost sons. And the first part, we all feel great about the first part of the parable. Because the first part of the parable is like, 
Here's this younger son who goes to his dad and tells his dad, give me my inheritance. And then he takes the inheritance and he goes off to a far off country. And in that far off country, he spends all the dad's inheritance, his one third of the, of the inheritance on prostitutes and partying. And then he gets his just due and his life falls apart. And then he comes to his senses while he's sitting, a Jewish man sitting in a pig pen, eating pig pods, eating the food of pigs. But then he comes to his senses and he goes to his dad and he says, Father, forgive you. Forgive me, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against you. But before he could even say this, his father runs out of the house, down the road, hugs him, welcomes him home, says, put the best clothes on his back, put the shoes on his feet, put the ring on his finger, kill the fattened calf, because this son of mine who was lost is now found. And man, that feels good. Because we all remember when we were the younger son. But then church, you started peddling. You started peddling and we changed a little bit. And then Jesus focuses the parable on really who the parable's meant for the Pharisees and the teachers of law. Jesus focuses on the saints. And he illustrates this by the older brother. Because remember, it's the lost sons, plural. Look at what it says in verse 25, Luke 25. Meanwhile, there's a celebration, there's a party going on. Because the lost son, the younger son is home. But meanwhile, the older son, the elder son, was in the field. If you are taking notes, you want to underline that. He was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. His brother who was lost, who as far as he knew was dead, has come home and he is angry. And he refused to keep peddling. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look at all these years I've been slaving for you. All these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when these sons of yours, when these ain'ts come back, after they have squandered your property with prostitutes, and he comes home, you kill the fattened calf? You kill the fattened calf for him, the thing that we save for the greatest celebration, the, the one that was prepared for the great feast. You invite the neighbors. 
my son. The father looks at him and says, my son, or this is even better yet translated, child. Not simply because he's acting childish, but because the tenderness of the father is so prevalent. Child, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And he's found. But friends, you know what happens in the church? Us saints, we get it twisted. Us saints, we get stuck. And we get stuck because we're good people. We do good things. We're good enough. But we're in fact stuck in self-righteousness. Like the Pharisees, like the teacher of the law, listening to Jesus speak that day. They were stuck, and we can get stuck in self-righteousness. And here's what self-righteousness does. Self-righteousness rejects the admission of our sinfulness. Self-righteousness will reject the idea that we are actually sinners. Self-righteousness will buoy you with pride. Because you'll think to yourself, at least I'm not like blank. At least I don't do what she does. At least I don't do what he does. I'm a good person. And self-righteousness leads us to judging others. I love the way Dr. Timothy Keller said it. God doesn't want good people. He wants new people. God doesn't want good people. He wants new people. He wants lost people. He wants sick people. He wants humble people. And he established the church with broken men and broken women that it would be a haven, that it would be a refuge for the ants. This is what Jesus was getting at. He wanted the teachers of the law, the religious folks, to examine their heart. See, as Jesus was talking to them that day, 
Jesus was like, y'all got a problem. Y'all got a problem. Y'all got elder brother syndrome. You got a case, a bad case of EBS. I didn't say IBS, I said EBS. Elder brother syndrome. And elder brother syndrome says, God owes me because I'm good enough. But Jesus says, it's because God is enough. You are a saint because God is good enough. The church is the hope of the world because God is good enough. And as a part of the church, he's telling the religious folks, the saints, and the ain'ts this big idea. Found people find people. Found people find people. The church is on a mission to find those far from God and invite them into a life transforming, a life uh, uh, changing, an eternal switch into the family of God. But church, we got to do our part. And here's what I want to encourage you to do today, Crossroads. Look out, look in, and look up. Focus out, focus in, and focus up. The elder brother, where was he? He was out in the field. He was out in the field, not tending to the father's things, but protecting his thing. Understand this in the Jewish culture. When the younger brother took his inheritance, one third of the father's wealth, what happened in that instance is all the rest of the father's wealth, the two thirds that was left, is given to the older son. It belongs to him. So when he's out in the field, he's focusing on his stuff. So he didn't see the father saving the younger son out on the road. Because what was happening out on the road when this younger son came into town is a mob was there. The village was there. All the family members were there. And it was time to rid them of the younger son. But the father rolls up 
His coat rolls up his pants and runs to the younger son. And he gets in between the mob and he gets between the mob and his son. And he says, I have forgiven you. He puts his arms around him and he knows now he has to invite everybody into this grand celebration because this thing that was lost, this son of his that was lost, this woman that was lost, this brother that was lost, this student that was lost, this person whose life was on the end, the person who was at the end of their rope, the person who was lost, the person who couldn't have anything, the person who had lost everything, walked into Crossroads Church and found the grace of Christ Jesus. But the elder brother didn't see this because he was out in the field. See, many of us can't join in in the celebration of the Father because we are too far to see the mess of real life and real people and watch them experience a real transformation by the real God. We're so far doing our own thing that we can't see what God is doing. Look at what it says in Luke, Luke 15, the beginning of the passage. The tax collectors and the sinners, the ain'ts, what do they do? They drew near. They drew near. But the older brother in verse 25, where's he at? Go to verse 25. He was in the field. He wasn't waiting by the side of the father. I wonder when he'll come back, dad. I wonder when she'll come back, dad. I'm praying that even though she's lost, that you see her, that you know her, that you would rescue her, God. We don't obey God so that he'll approve us. We obey God so that we can experience more of who he is in order that we will deepen our relationship with him. See, the brother was doing the right thing. He was doing the right thing. But he wasn't doing the righteous thing. What would the church look like if we were all focused on the road? What would crossroads look like if the saints and the ain'ts were focused on the road? What do I mean focus on the road? if we had messy people in our lives. If we knew that this place isn't a place for healthy people, it's a place for sick people. And our eyes were focused on the road. What would your community look like? What would your neighborhood look like? If instead of pulling in, closing the door and getting to your things, you stopped and looked down the road, you stopped and looked down your street, down your cul-de-sac, down the hall of your apartment, and, and you said, God, show me the mess. Show me the mess. And I might get involved. 
But you see, we're so good about our no trespassing signs here in America. No trespassing. Don't cross this line. Stay away. When Jesus was all about the invitation, come to me all who are weary. Come as you are. Friends, who is the church for? The church is for people who can be allowed. Hear me on this. It's for people who can be allowed to belong before they believe. If you're sitting in this room today, if you're watching online, I want you to hear this. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. And if you're a new believer or you're just investigating this Christianity thing, I want to caution you from developing EBS, from developing elder brother syndrome of saying my righteousness gets me into this club. Friends, the day that we're too pretty, that we're put too put together, is a day we've turned into the elder son. The original listeners, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they would have been indignant at what Jesus was saying. They were shocked. Because Jesus was saying, the way you approach God, the way you approach my father is all wrong. The psalmist told us how we should. Blessed are those who dwell in the house. They are ever praising you. Dwelling in the house means I'm in it with my father. I'm enjoying it with my father. I'm not walking around with my face all scrunched up because I'm the one doing all the work at the church. I'm dwelling and walking in my father's house, singing the praises. What, 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 did, the, what did the servant say to the older brother? The, 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 sorry, what, what drew the older brother's attention? It was singing and dancing. People were praising inside of the house. Paul told the church in Ephesians, look what he told them, the church in Ephesus. In him, him being God, him being Jesus, the whole building is joined together and arises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Listen to me, somebody. Jesus is telling you today, focus on the house. Crossroads, he's telling us to focus on the house. And I'm not talking about the four walls. I'm not talking about the, the, the phone or the laptop you're watching on. I'm not talking about those four walls. I'm talking about right here. To focus on the holy temple that resides within me. That I am the holy temple with the indwelling of the spirit of God. And Jesus speaks against when we get it all twisted. He tells them in Matthew 23, 27, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you look, excuse me, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of dead and everything unclean. You got that elder son syndrome. 
that we look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're judging those with addiction. We're looking down on those who are divorced. We glare at the ones that don't know the songs or don't know the routine or Lord forbid, don't know that that's my seat where I sit. Practically, what do you do here? Ask yourself, what condition is my heart in? If I'm focused on the house, what's the condition of this house right here? But we get into the habit of comparing ourselves to others. That's what the older son was doing. He was comparing himself to the younger son. The younger son had gone off to the far country, had spent his inheritance, had, had, had hung out with prostitutes, had, 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 had defiled himself by eating the food of Gentiles. He's comparing himself to that. Listen, it's easy to compare yourself to somebody who's all broken up. I remember when, I came, when, I, when Jen and I became uh, young parents, right? When we first had our kid. You know what got us through that first year of being parents? Looking at all the other bozos that were parents. And I was like, if Jason can keep that kid alive, I'll be all right too. I, listen, I wasn't going to the 20-year couple in our church who had raised kids and, and launched kids. I wasn't going to them. I wasn't saying, hey, how can I be more like them and, and emulate the things that they've been doing for a long time? I'm going to the bozo and saying, hey, that bozo's doing all right. I, I, as long as I'm doing better than him, I'm good. That's what the elder son's doing. But the elder son, though he was looking at the younger brother and saying he's been in a far-off country, he was in a far-off country, the elder son, too. He was distant from the heart of the father. He may not have been eating pig pods in the pig pen, but he was gorging himself on self-righteousness and bitterness. The younger brother wanted the father to give him his stuff. The elder brother wanted the father's stuff more than the father. We recognize the sin of the younger son, but do we recognize the sin of the older son in us? The prophet says it like this in Isaiah 64. All of us all of us have become like the one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. All of us. So what do we do? We focus out, we focus in, we focus up. Focus on the Father. Focus on the Father. This, this parable gets called the wrong thing all the time. We call it the prodigal son because prodigal means to, 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 to just a waste, to, to, be, extrav to be extravagant, to, to be reckless. But you know who the prodigal is? It's the prodigal father. 
It's the prodigal God because he is reckless in his love. He's extravagant in his love. And when the elder son is out having a pity party, the father leaves the festivities and he goes to him. The same way he went to the younger son on the road, he goes to the elder son in the field and he says, everything I have is yours, but let's celebrate church. Because that son who was lost is now found. We've got to remember that we are all in process. We are all in process. But we all have a father who's calling us by name. A bunch of ain'ts that God turns to saints. Charles Spurgeon said it so eloquently. The truth here taught is just this, that mercy stretches forth her hand to misery that grace receives men as sinners, that it deals with demerits, unworthiness, and worthlessness, that those who think themselves righteous are not the object of divine compassion, but the unrighteous, the guilty, and the undeserving are the proper subjects for the infinite mercy of God. In a word, that salvation is not of merit, but of grace. Found people find people. But I've got to be focused out on the road, focused in on the house, and focused up at the Father. And church, when we do that, our hearts align with the heart of the Father, and we understand why the church is here and who the church is for. It's for lost people. And every single one of us are lost without the Father. What I want to invite us to do right now is we're gonna sing another song. But as we're singing that song, we're gonna be preparing our hearts to participate in communion. And communion is a symbol, a reminder that the Father loved us so much that he gave his very best in his son Christ Jesus who died on a cross and spilt his blood. So, so when we drink of the fruit of the vine, it's to remember that Jesus' blood was shed for me. And, and when we eat of the bread, it's to remind me that his body was broken for me. When I was lost, when you were lost, he found you. 
found people find people. As we partake in communion shortly, I want you to be thinking about, Father, who should I be looking for? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us the purpose of who the church is for. Saints and ain'ts alike. And God, may we prepare ourselves to be beacons of hope, beacons of light, focused on the road, focused on the house, and focused on the Father. May we celebrate what you have done for us. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.